I want to talk to you a little bit about some things that were said in the Old Testament that were fulfilled in the life of Christ. And just kind of unfold some scripture for you. In Isaiah chapter 50, um, verse 6 says, I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I didn't hide my face from mocking and from spitting. In Matthew 26, verse 67, the scripture says, They spit in his face, they struck him with their fists, others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, tell us who hit you. Did you know that Isaiah said those words 700, more than 700 years before they happened? Isaiah made that prophetic declaration over 700 years before it took place in the life of Christ. Zechariah the prophet spoke of a time uh, um, where payment would be made involving 30 pieces of silver uh, and a good shepherd whose service would be brought to an end, foreshadowing the events that took place in Jesus' life. Those events took place in Matthew chapter 26. They're talked about over 500 years after Zechariah made that declaration. Over 500 years after he said that that, that would happen, 30 pieces of silver were laid out in the betrayal of Jesus. In Psalm uh, 41, as King David was praying, he wrote prophetically about the betrayal at the hands of a close friend uh, of, uh, with whom he had shared bread. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus was betrayed by Judas, one of the 12 apostles, shortly after they had broken bread together. Did you know that David's prayer and his prophetic expression took place over a thousand years before Jesus walked the earth. A thousand years. And the Holy Spirit dropped in the heart of David a prayer that would be prayed that would unfold more than a thousand years later in the life of our Savior. I want to talk to you about some other things that happened that were expressed in the book of Psalm, particularly Psalm chapter 22. And what I would suggest that you do is that later, as you are contemplating all the things that have happened, and as, as you're in one of those moments where you're remembering Jesus, I want you to go and read the entire chapter of Psalms chapter 22. But Psalms chapter 22, verse 7, speaks of a man surrounded by others who scorn and despise him. And in Matthew chapter 27 and in Mark chapter 15, this is exactly what happened to Jesus. Psalm 22, 7 speaks of a man being mocked. And in Matthew 27, Mark 15, Luke 22 and 23, it's where the very thing that was described in that verse takes place in the life of Jesus. Psalms express more than a thousand years before it took place. Psalm 22 and verse 8 says, He uh, trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. In Matthew chapter 27, Jesus' enemies taunt him saying, He trusts in God. Let God rescue him. 
The very thing that was expressed in the life of Jesus was expressed a thousand years earlier in the prayer and meditation of the psalmist. Psalm 22 and 16 speaks of a man who was numbered with the transgressors, meaning an innocent man being regarded among a group of criminals. Matthew 27, Mark 15, Luke 23, John 19. Jesus was numbered with the transgressors and crucified between two criminals. Oh, let this stir something in you. Let your heart be stirred toward the one who loves you. Psalm 22, verse 16 also mentions that his hands and his feet were pierced or, or mauled. And in, in John chapter 19, Jesus' hands and feet are pierced with nails during that crucifixion process. Verse 17 of Psalm chapter 22 speaks of the man who would be surrounded by others who stared and gloated at him. And in Matthew 27 and Luke 23, again, this is what happened at the crucifixion. Psalm 22 and verse 18 speaks of gamblers, onlookers gambling for a piece of his clothing that belonged to the person being persecuted. And in Matthew 27, Roman soldiers gambled, cast lots for the articles of Jesus' clothing while he was being crucified. All of those things in Psalm expressed about our Savior more than a thousand years before it took place in his life. Because the Bible teaches us that from the beginning, the very beginning, God knew that we would be in need of a Savior and He determined that He would send one. Before you ever sinned, He determined He would send a Savior for you. Before you ever failed, He determined your need of a Savior. One of my favorite passages of Scripture Another passage penned about the life and death of Jesus over 700 years before it took place. It says, Surely he took up our infirmities, Isaiah 53, carried our sorrows. We considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced or wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us turned to his own ways. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us were born in sin, the scripture says, and, and shaped in iniquity. We were, we were literally formed in iniquity. And the, yet the scripture says, whosoever will, will you? 
Oh, if you're here today, in a few minutes, the prayer teams are going to be up here and, and, and you're going to be given an invitation to just come and simply say, I need to receive this Jesus that pastor was talking about this morning. I've thought about it at times. I've heard about it at times. I've, I've put it off. I've wondered if that was even for me. But the scripture says, whosoever will may come. Let him come, the scripture says. You know what? When the scripture says, let him come, the scripture is literally saying, don't keep anyone from coming that would like to come. Sometimes when we think about sin that separates us from God, we think, oh, could a person that, that did this terrible thing, could they be saved? Could God, could, could God forgive this thief or, or this murderer or this uh, immoral individual? Could God, could God for Yes! Yes, yes, yes! So we have this great invitation. He was wounded for my transgression. I challenge you when you read that passage of scripture to personalize it. Put your name right in there. He was, he was bruised for my iniquity. The punishment for my peace was upon him. You know what's wonderful about peace? I just, I just have to share this with you. Because we live, in a, we live in a day and in a time and in a season where so many people are living in, in environments that are nothing close to peaceful. They're living in places of anxiousness and fear and frustration and worry and concern. When what was purchased was your peace. Jesus said to the disciples, I give you my peace, I'm leaving my peace with you, and it's not the kind of peace that the world gives. The kind of peace that the world gives is, is peace that's peaceful when it's peaceful. Does that make sense? But yet when you can be like Jesus in the middle of a storm, down in the bottom of the boat, kicking back, I'm at peace even if it's stormy in circumstances that are around me. The scripture says that the peace of God that supersedes all understanding is yours. He purchased our peace. But that's not the only peace that he purchased. He didn't just purchase the kind of peace that comes into your life whenever you're in places of anxiety and worry and concern and fear and wonder what might happen next. My mother used to get really amazed. My mom was a little more anxious by nature and my father could sleep through anything. And she would say, I don't get it. Everything's falling apart. He's in there sleeping. He had a peace that was beyond explanation, that was past understanding. Because he knew that the things that were outside of his control, that, that he had no control over whatsoever, were in the control of his father. So he had peace. 
But not only have you been given the peace that passes understanding, not only has that been made available to you, but also that which has been made available to you is peace with God. Peace with God. That is the very invitation that I'm talking to you about today. Peace that says, come on in, hang out with me. You see, in the Old Testament, in their understanding of God, he was unapproachable. And God didn't create the earth so that he would be found unapproachable. The original inception of his purpose and his intent was that he came in the cool of the day and he visited with Adam and Eve. He had communion with them. He had relationship with them. Then... Then sin happens and they're removed from the garden and a veil is put between them and God and, and, and it seems in the minds of men that God is inaccessible and unapproachable. But then here comes Jesus and he gives us peace with God. And the veil is torn and the way is made clear. The scripture says that, that that God made a way where there seemed to be no way. In the minds of men, there was no way into the presence of God. There was a big veil there. There was no access. There was no door there. And Jesus said, I'm the door. I'm the door. And so the word of the Lord to you today is that you have The peace of God beyond explanation. Sleep through a storm. Amaze everyone. But more importantly, you have peace with God that is an invitation into his presence. Oh, but but pastor, you don't understand what I've done. I don't really care what you've done. I don't mean to minimize it. There may be results from it. There may be things that that are going to crop up in your life as a result of the decisions that you made that you have to deal with later. There may be challenges. There may be things that arise because of those choices. But those choices do not keep you from the presence of God if you will come in. I challenge you that the Lord stands before you today and he says, come. Come, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come. Come into my presence. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and I'll have communion, relationship with him. Come. Come. There's nothing too dirty that he can't make worthy. Come. Come running to the mercy seat. Jesus paid it all. Come. Come. Surrender to him. Come. 
When you get finished with all of that surrender, when you get finished with processing through all of that confession and all of that time in the presence of the Lord, saying, okay, I need a Savior, and, and I believe that you're my Savior, and when you, get, when you get completed with all that, you'll walk out of here like the rest of us going, oh, I can only imagine what it's going to be like. Come. Whosoever will may come. I challenge you today, will you? Will you? Now is your opportunity. This is your invitation. Today is the day of salvation, and now is the accepted time. Would you stand together this morning, and I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come and be here for you, because if you are, if you are receiving this invitation this morning, if you need to be in a relationship with Jesus, I challenge you not to leave this room today without coming and saying to these prayer teams and these prayer uh, individuals who are praying with you that you would come to them and that you would say, I just need to receive Jesus. Maybe you're the individual that needs to come and say, I need to refresh my relationship with Jesus. Those of you that are married, you know exactly what the honeymoon feels like and the early days of a relationship feels like and how wonderful it is. And then those of you that have been married for a long, long time, you realize that there are seasons and times when it's just time to refresh the relationship. Some of y'all have had friends that you've had for a lifetime and you know those seasons when it's just time to refresh the relationship. I challenge you today that it is time to refresh, refresh the relationship that you have with Jesus. It's time for you to come and say, oh, I need to be in his presence in a fresh way. I need to walk with him in a fresh way. I need to know him in a fresh way. I, I need to be reminded that he invites me into his presence therefore I come let us pray Father I thank you for these people that are gathered in this room today I thank you that there are individuals here today who, who need to receive you and I pray that the Holy Spirit right now is doing something in their heart challenging them to know you challenging them to be in relationship with you and with others in the body of Christ to strengthen their walk with you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you press upon the hearts of all of us who just simply need to refresh our relationship with you today. We've worshipped, we've received communion, we've sit and listened to various expressions of the gospel. We've received the word. Now let us receive you. In fresh expression. I pray that over this congregation this time.